Yeah, so I guess I've always kind of had two loves, you know, my first love being science. Um, I did the BT Young Scientist in Ireland, um, which is a pretty big deal in Ireland. It's a small country, but it's a it's a big contest. And essentially the whole idea behind it is that it kind of inspires a younger generation of scientists to get really engaged with science. So I found a wonderful mentor um, who kind of took me under his wings, a professor in, in NUIG, which is a university in Galway. And I worked on that um, project with him and it was there that I really kind of started thinking to myself, wow, you know, sciences is for me. Um, it's, you know, the environment that I want to be in. You know, I always loved questioning things when I was really young um, and to get the opportunity to explore different questions and hypotheses and, and think about different theories. I, I always found that really, really interesting. Um, so I did environmental science in Trinity College Dublin and I graduated in, in 2018. That was a wonderful experience. And, you know, the other kind of love that I've always had has been communications. And I debated the whole way through secondary school, which I think you guys refer to as high school. Um, and then once I got into college, I, I found a, a job for myself in a science gallery. And it wasn't kind of your traditional science gallery, right? And um, what I really loved about this gallery was that they took the approach of combining art and science. Welcome to What Are We Talking About, a podcast produced by Water Online. Hosts Jim Laurier of Maisie Injector Company and Adam Tank of Transcend Water, a dynamic boomer millennial combo, will help you demystify how to build a better brand for your business, keep current and prospective customers engaged with your company, and ultimately grow your sales. They interview some of the most interesting and unique water professionals who have used the art of storytelling to move the needle for themselves and for their organizations. Well, today's guest is Aoife Kelleher. She's the business development manager for Blue Tech Research and also the associate producer and lead researcher for Brave Blue World. And uh, we're really happy to have you, Aoife. We were introduced to you by Paul O'Callaghan, who said, you know, we really needed you to have have Aoife on the show. And, you know, Paul was our first guest on our, uh, uh, the start of our podcast. So we're excited to talk to you and uh, get some insights about uh, what you're doing and what's next. Yeah, it's it's come full circle. Thanks so much, guys, for having me. Um, definitely appreciate it. And I'm looking forward to a great conversation with you both. So Aoife, I'm I'm also very excited. I have heard things about you before me- meeting you, if you will. Hopefully all good. All good. That's for sure. All very, very good. Um, and I was always so curious because looking at your background, I would say it's, it's not a, uh, uh, at least for the water industry, it's a somewhat non-traditional background in a way. So if you don't mind, let's start a bit there and talk to us about how you've brought your background and sort of the storytelling capability into what you're doing today. Yeah, so I guess I've always kind of had two loves, you know, my first love being science. Um, I did the BT Young Scientist in Ireland, um, which is a pretty big deal in Ireland. It's a small country, but it's a it's a big contest. And essentially, the whole idea behind it is that it kind of inspires a younger generation of scientists to get really engaged with science. So I found a wonderful mentor um, who kind of took me under his wings, a professor in, in NUIG, which is a university in Galway. And I worked on that um, project with him and it was there that I really kind of started thinking to myself, wow, you know, sciences is for me. Um, It's, you know, the environment that I want to be in. You know, I always loved questioning things when I was really young Um, and to get the opportunity to explore different questions and hypotheses and and think about different theories. I I always found that really, really interesting. And so I did environmental science in Trinity College Dublin and I graduated in, in 2018. That was a wonderful experience. 
And, you know, the other kind of love that I've always had has been communications. And I debated the whole way through secondary school, which I think you guys refer to as high school. Um, and then once I got into college, I, I found a, a job for myself in a science gallery. And it wasn't kind of your traditional science gallery, right? And um, what I really loved about this gallery was that they took the approach of combining art and science. Um, and the reason that they did this is because often what we find is, is when we're trying to communicate scientific topics or when the general public go into science museums, there's kind of a barrier to entry there. You know, people feel like, OK, well, I don't have a background in science. I'm not going to be able to understand these topics. People often find scientific content um, a little intimidating if they don't have a background in it themselves. So the whole idea was that people go to art galleries all over the world. They come in, they look at the art, they have their opinion, they like it or they don't. Um, and there's never any kind of, you know, there's there's never a reaction. You know, people don't feel insecure about having an opinion on art. So the idea was is that we could work with a bunch of artists and philosophers um, and people working in kind of, I guess, various different backgrounds like anthropology and sociology and really work with them around scientific topics, but using um, art to communicate those messages. So I worked there throughout college. I absolutely loved it. I learned a massive amount about, you know, the importance of understanding how to communicate appropriately with different audiences, understanding how to break down the barriers around scientific communication for a general public audience in particular, and also the importance of really creating partnerships with individuals that are in that have different backgrounds, you know, getting their opinion and um, understanding their kind of feedback, how they interpret information has all been really, really useful. And, and then I guess I started working at Blue Tech Research in 2018. So I've been in the water sector now for almost five years, which is hard to believe. I think a lot of people often say that once they start working on water, they never leave. And I definitely feel, you know, that water is my path. You know, I absolutely love it. I think that the feel of community at every single event kind of, you know, really reaffirms that for me every time I attend a WefTech or an Aquatech or, or our own Blue Tech Forum event. And uh, yeah, so I, I started working at Blue Tech Research as a water technology research analyst. Um, so I really got to dig into a lot of topics. Um, I got to speak to technology companies, understand kind of what the new most innovative technologies were, understand the markets and the segments and the sectors within water. Um, and then I had the opportunity to work on the Brave Blue World project. So Paul had this kind of wacky idea, um, you know, a couple of years ago now, four years ago, and that was that he wanted to create a water documentary project. And, you know, growing up, I loved David Attenborough. I mean, he was an icon of mine. So the thought of potentially having the opportunity to work on a documentary in the water space that would kind of profile what's good and what's happening in the industry and talk about really the positives, you know, what are the new innovations? You know, where are there entrepreneurs and innovators all around the globe that are solving challenges within their own region and how this can be applied globally? And um, so it was just a project that really excited me. We got taken on a crazy journey adventure, I would call it the two of us. Um, and the first trip was in in Singapore. So, you know, only two or three months into my job, I got to go over to Singapore and meet the Singapore PUB and learn about the four taps. Um, and really, it's just been a journey since then. I mean, the first documentary launched on Netflix in 2020. Um, I think when myself and Paul were were looking at technologies and reviewing them for inclusion in the documentary, neither of us ever dreamed that the documentary would land on Netflix or be translated into 29 languages. Um, so yeah, there was definitely a feeling from the industry at that time that this was a project that everyone wanted to rally around. Um, so that was a really wonderful environment as well in terms of my first experience in, in the water sector. So yeah, that's kind of my background summed up, I guess you would say science and communications and kind of a, an interesting link between the two. Yeah, so for our audience, uh, Aoife, maybe you can talk a little bit about the merging of science and art and how you've used that in your work as business development manager at Blue Tech Research. 
Absolutely. So I was invited to attend a conference in Copenhagen, maybe about three years ago now, it was pre-pandemic. And the whole idea was that they were going to bring people from a number of different backgrounds into this interdis- interdisciplinary space um, and ask them how they would best interpret water challenges and how they would communicate those challenges to different audiences. And whenever, you know, I, I look back and I think on, about that conference, the one thing that always struck me is that, you know, the different opinions that we all have in our own positions that we hold um, when we meet others, right? So the scientists and then the engineers in the room were really thinking to themselves, you know, God, what, what what's an artist doing here? You know, what's someone with a background? in anthropology do and why are they trying to tell me how to communicate about water Um, but what I've really found very very useful across all of the projects that I've worked on whether it's been the Brave Blue World project or whether it's you know business development conversations at Blue Tech Research or even our event Blue Tech Forum is really kind of learning how to bring in people from different backgrounds and 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 take those skills and combine them into our own efforts when trying to communicate with different audiences so with Brave Blue World I mean the audience was was a general audience we really wanted to break down the barriers of communication around technology technology and science and innovation in the water sector with conversations that I'm having around business development with our prospects and, and even with some of our key clients. Those conversations are all a little bit different because a corporate water end user or someone who's working in water stewardship at a Fortune 500 company is going to have a different language and a different terminology that they're speaking. You know, we're all we're all speaking English for the most part on these calls. Um, but, you know, they're going to have really kind of a different way in which they speak about their challenges and their problems. And, and then you have to interpret that and, and, and figure out, I guess, how you can best meet those needs and support those needs. For an SME, it's very different. You know, there's often two different types of SMEs. They're the ones that are led by engineers and the ones that are led by business development and sales professionals. And, you know, those two groups have very different languages in terms of how they speak. So again, for me, it always comes back to audience. And I think one thing that I really took from my time at the Science Gallery and and, and a lot of the work that I did at Blue Tech over the past couple of years is learning to communicate effectively with different audiences and learning to speak to them in a, in a language which they can understand and which is familiar and gives them a sense of comfort and um, so that has has always been the key and I think you know the other key is being open to to different opinions different perspectives using um, different industries and industry backgrounds and taking those skills and bringing them into your own role and into your own industry I think we can do a, a lot of a better job at that in the water sector in terms of you know collaborating with individuals that don't just have backgrounds in STEM that's obviously very important the technical part and the ROI right and the CAPEX and the OPEX is always very very important but I think that we need to be more more open um, to collaborating with people from different industries to really understand how they view those topics um, and how they break them down in their own heads. And, and that way we can become better at communicating with those individuals. Aoife, we oftentimes pick on the pump suppliers of the world. Someone who's selling a commoditized product. Mm-hmm. This is typically someone who's spending a lot of time behind a steering wheel, going out and literally knocking on the doors of water, wastewater utilities, industrial users, etc. And the question we always ask is, where does someone like that start telling a story? They oftentimes struggle thinking about, okay, I get it. Like I need to do a better job communicating the value. But like as someone who appreciates the value of art and storytelling and communication, where would you recommend someone like that just get started in the first place? Yeah, that's that's an interesting question. And it's funny that you mentioned the pump suppliers. I, I think they get a lot of a lot of hassle from the rest of us in the industry, right? We all have those pictures of the guys that rock up at Weftech. Um it's an interesting one, you know. I think 
we should all consider ourselves as storytellers, right? Because what do people buy into at the end of the day? They buy into stories and they buy into people. You know, obviously the technology has to do with jo- its job, what you're selling has to do with its job. But what you need to do is you need to learn how to create a story arc for, for whether you're selling a pump or a pipe or whether you're, you know, selling something slightly different, like, a you know, an intelligence service, for example. But I think you really have to learn to put yourself in your customer's shoes. So if you're rocking up at a utility um, and you you want to understand how you can best communicate with them, I think you need to figure out what is the problem that they're trying to solve and how you can integrate your solution into that narrative as a story. So you need to kind of go back to basics. You need to kind of drop the sales pitch, I would always recommend. And you need to really understand, OK, well, what is the problem that they're trying to solve and how can I add value to that? And what's the story? So what's the beginning, the middle and the end? And what's that particular participation piece where that individual then wants to be part of your story. You're listening to the Water We Talking About podcast. We'll be right back after this short break. This podcast is produced by Water Online, the leading web-based community for water and wastewater professionals, showcasing the knowledge and authority of industry thought leaders. Water Online provides actionable content from vendors you can trust. And now, back to today's podcast. One of the things that, uh, you know, I really admire about uh, what Paul and you and and the team at uh, Blue Tech Research has done is really to make us water professionals proud of our career. And so when you were looking at the project, uh, Brave Blue World, I mean, I, I think there was two things you were looking at that right, to make water professionals proud of what we're doing, and also to uh, educate the general public about water and its importance. Can you tell us about like trying to balance those two in your mission? Exactly. So you kind of hit the nail on the head, right? Those were exactly the two things that we were trying to do. So I'm glad that came across. I mean, for us, it's it's important, right? Because people talk about the general public as an audience, and it's so big that it's almost it, it almost becomes a barrier when you're trying to tell a story, right? So in terms of our own priorities, really, the mission of the initial documentary was very much focused around, you know, trying to find a way to positively communicate a lot of the work that's happening in the water industry. Every time I go up to conferences, people are bombarding you, talking about all of the new innovations that they're working on or the new research papers. And you can really feel a sense of pride in that. Um, But at the end of the day, what I also found was that a lot of water professionals don't exactly even know how to communicate to their own families, their spouse, you know, their kids, what it is that they're doing. They're just working on water. So we really want to give kind of a film um, to the water industry that they could use to communicate with their partners, with people outside the water industry, what it is they do and what they're a part of and that sense of pride. So I think in terms of trying to balance those two, obviously there was an educational aspect to it. So a lot of the technologies that we were talking about were not complicated technologies to understand for us that are working in the water industry. For example, Oro is something that we're all very familiar with, but we really had to break down the barrier for entry for the general public in terms of them understanding those topics. So we used a lot of tools like animation, like storytelling to kind of really break down those systems, right? So it was all about trying to either relate it to an, an anecdote of normal day that you would understand, or it was very much trying to break it down in an animation form. Everyone, when they see a diagram, it's a lot easier for people to digest that medium um, than it is for you to just talk about it. You know, if you if you animate a membrane as opposed to, for example, trying to explain what a membrane is, people need that kind of visual 
reassurance that they're understanding what it is they're hearing. So we found that that was a very useful tool. And in, in terms of balancing the two, I actually think they worked quite well together, um, you know, because for, for the industry to be proud of the documentary and for them to want to showcase it to their family and friends, you know, that's a general public audience. So, you know, the two didn't conflict as much as well as they worked together. Aoife, the word on the street is that there might be another documentary coming out in the somewhat near future. Can yeah. <laughs> you tease that a bit? I actually saw a post on it today publicly, so maybe it's more than just a tease. So Yeah, yeah. It's it's funny because you the minute we finished the first documentary, I mean, we hadn't taken a breath and people were asking us what was next. <laughs> and I think Paul and myself were hoping that we could both go off separately on holidays and take a little bit of a break because it was a behemoth of a project to work on. Um, but yes, there is a second documentary in the works, I'm very proud to say. Um, we really did want to take some time, you know, after the first documentary finished, not only to kind of make sure that it was getting the appreciation and the reach and that we were ensuring we were engaging with educational programs in the US and that we're pushing the documentary out there to make sure that it was being seen, because that's very important. There's no point creating a documentary if no one watches it. And um, but we also wanted to figure out, OK, well, we could do another documentary, which is exactly the same as the first and just feature a whole new suite of innovative technologies. Right. That would have been the easy thing to do. But we kind of thought to ourselves, well, how can we actually bring more value here? And I think for us, you know, in terms of targeting a, a general audience, what we really wanted to do was try and instill an understanding and a value for water. Because once people value something, they're more curious and their minds are more open to learn about it. So that's really the mission of the second film is, you know, how do we create a piece of work that really gets people to value water? The second thing that we thought about when we were thinking about creating the second documentary was, OK, well, you know, the first film is going to be watched by a lot of people in science and technology backgrounds. People People that are interested in environmental issues and maybe climate, for example. But how do we broaden water out? Because water isn't just a science and tech issue, right? Water affects every aspect of our life. And when we talk about, you know, civilizations popping up all over the globe, you know, they pop up in those regions because there was access to water. You know, everyone knows the story of sanitation in London, for example. And, you know, for us, again, you know, we wanted to broaden our audience. We wanted to make make sure it was relevant to people that are interested in history, people that want to know a little bit more about water and how it relates to culture, to religion, to spirituality. Um, so for us, we really wanted to take a, a different kind of turn on the story. And we're bringing in a lot more of those notes in the second film. So I guess to sum it up, the second film is going to be called Our Blue world. Um, it's really going to be focused on capturing cap captivating water stories from all over the world. Um, a lot of the stories are going to be drawing on ancient wisdom, on culture, on history, religion and the humanity of water, you know, how it all relates so closely to our day to day lives. Uh, we recently filmed in the Andes in Peru with, in a wonderful town called San Pedro de Casta. Um, the project we filmed there, just to give you a little teaser of that, um, really was all a story about, you know, the importance of valuing ancient wisdom and the restoration of the Amunas, which are kind of a series of water channels that bring water from the Andes down to Lima, to the, the Rimac River Basin. Um, and those those channels are now being restored with the help of AB and Bev. Um, so not only are they restoring water supplies for people who live in those villages throughout the Andes, but also it brings the potential of kind of recharging that uh, river basin in Lima, which is a growing city. So there's going to be a lot of kind of contrast in this film. You know, it's, it, to me, it's going to be an even more exciting project um, because we're bringing in those different notes of history and, and culture and society and humanity. 
Um, so yeah, we're we're taking our time doing it. Um, we're we're in the midst of filming at the moment, and we're hoping to have the documentary uh, out by the end of the year. So very very exciting. So do keep your eyes peeled, and uh, I I'm kind of ramping up for the UN Water Summit at the moment myself. So if anyone is going to be in New York for the UN Water Summit, we're going to be doing kind of a sneak preview um of that footage in Peru. Um, on the 19th uh, with Colombia in, in the forum. So we're really, really excited for that. Yeah, so we're really excited about this project. And you gave us a little bit of a timeline on when it's going to be released. Uh, are you still going to do the uh, planning through uh, Netflix as well? Or is there somebody else involved? Yeah, so it, it's funny how once you have one documentary under your belt, a lot more doors open. <laughs> I think um, for myself and Paul, it was like pushing water up a hill, you know, excuse the water analogy, but <laughs> in terms of trying to find distribution the first time around, because if you think about the project, it was a little crazy too. It was two scientists that had no background in film trying to pull off a documentary. This time around, I think we feel like we've a lot more experience and we have a lot more contacts at large distribution agencies. And um, so now what we have is actually a number of different options in terms of where we put and house the documentary for all also, what's really important is that the two documentaries are on the same platform and um, so that people can view both. They're part of kind of a, a group of, of water documentaries. Um, so, yeah, I guess I can't really reveal any more than that at this stage, <laughs> unfortunately for you guys. All right. So you can't reveal that. But what you will be revealing to our audience right now as we wrap up our show is our infamous airplane banner question. So, Aoife, we ask every single guest the same question at the very end. And it's quite simple. Jim and I are going to fly a plane over to Ireland. We'll pick you up. We can fly <laughs> you really wherever you want to go. But the goal is that we're going to fly you in front of the home of every single water professional around the world. And we have a banner on the back of the airplane. And you basically get a tweet's worth of characters to say anything you want to any water professional. In our brave blue world, in our blue world, what would you want that banner to say? Wow. That is a question. <laughs> Um, in a tweet's number of characters, I think is what you said. I would say don't be afraid of communicating about water. You know, that would be my message. You know, don't have any fear. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of the backlash. Don't be afraid of the opinions. You know, it's it's time for us as an industry to get more confident about communicating the good work that we're doing. Excellent. Amen. Excellent. Yeah. Thanks so much, Aoife. This has been great. It's always a great pleasure to see the work that uh, you and Paul and Blue Tech are doing. So thanks for being our guest. Yeah, of course. It was a pleasure. And hopefully I'll see you both at Blue Tech Forum also as well. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was the last time I saw you in person, Adam. So it's coming quickly around the corner in, in, in May. So fingers crossed I see you both there. You got it. 